0: Blog Talk Radio.
1: Good morning and welcome to NJS Bay's uh, Blog Talk Radio program, Conversations on New Jersey Education, a program dedicated to creating conversation among those of us in the education community and beyond on the important education issues of the day a conversation that brings the important issues to you and educational leaders to you. I hope that you feel free to join in on the conversation. My name is Ray Penny. I'll be your host this morning. Today we will not only be taking your calls, but we will have our chat room open. I think this will give you two ways in which to participate in the show. Jennifer will be monitoring the switchboard and taking calls this morning. If you want to call in and ask a question, you dial one three four seven nine eight nine eight nine zero four. and when you're ready to make a comment or ask a question, press 1, and that will indicate in the switchboard that you are ready to ask a question. We'll get your name, your question, and or topic. Also, if you're on the phone line, I will ask that you turn down the volume on your computer and only listen on the phone since there's a del- delay and it's confusing. If you are uh, just listening on your computer, we do have the chat room feature open. You can log on to that. Uh, we will be monitoring the chat room, and we will pass on some of the comments or questions on to our speakers. Uh, to log on the chat room, you will need to register with Blog Talk Radio. It's been a little over two years since the shooting at the Sandy Hook Elementary School in uh, Newtown, uh, Connecticut. Uh, and that was like a bellwether for in terms of school security. But like a lot of issues, sometimes it seems... This tends to fade in the background, Uh, but since that shooting, uh, New Jersey School Board Association formed a task force to look at school security and what we can do, uh, and with us today are three members of that task force. First, we have Don Webster, who is currently NJSBA president, but at the time was uh, vice president. Welcome, Don. Thank you, Ray. And Don was one of the co-chairs. The other co-chair is Ray Wiss, who was uh, immediate past president at the time. Welcome, Ray. Thanks, Ray. And also on that task force is Brandon Pugh, who's a board member in Morristown, and also uh, president of the Burlington County School Board Association. Welcome, Brandon.
0: Good morning. Good
1: morning. Okay, well, first of all, Don, uh, why was the task force formed and what was its charge?
2: Well, I, I think the straightforward answer, Ray, is the task force was formed because of the, the shock and horror over what transpired up in uh, Newtown, Connecticut, um, but but I think it's more involved than that. I, I think after our, our association held our school security summit at the College of New Jersey uh, and we heard a panel discussion from a number of experts and questions and opinions from members of the audience, we, we realized that the whole school security issue was more complex and was going to require additional research discussion uh, and we were going to have to come up with additional strategies. Um, one strategy wasn't going to solve this this particular concern over school security. Uh, And recognizing that, our immediate past president, John Bellina, decided to create the School Security Task Force, and he charged it with uh, surveying the membership on best practices. Uh, He wanted us to consult with experts. He wanted us to review developments affecting implementation and funding of school security measures, and he also wanted us to identify best practices
1: uh... ray uh... who was on the task force and how did you uh... get your information who did you interview
3: well ray essentially it was uh... pretty much an all-star committee Um uh, we had board members who had a uh... a vast experience as board members but in addition to that in their private and personal backgrounds uh... they had experience in law enforcement in architecture education and social services so it was a uh... fairly well-rounded uh, committee and in fact I believe we had well over hundred applicants to serve on this committee so one of our initial tasks was whittling it down um, to create uh, what ultimately became the task force. Uh, in addition to that we were assisted by members of the NJSBA staff who had specialized expertise in government relations in policy uh, and in human resources so that was uh, an important resource for the committee uh, and then we heard from experts in, in various areas such as social-emotional learning, law enforcement, policy, and architecture. So uh, our task was made a lot easier by virtue of the membership of the committee and by virtue of the resources from both the association and from the experts we heard from.
1: You know, uh, you just said there was 100 people that put applications in. That's an amazingly high number for people to volunteer in a task force uh, at any level. Uh, and I know we were shocked at NGSB How many people really do have a lot of experience in this area? Um Don, uh what does the you know, before we go on to some of the recommendations, New Jersey briefly tell us what we do?
2: Well, as it turns out, uh Ray, we do we do quite a bit. Um through our research uh we determined that New Jersey has strong and effective school security measures. For example, New Jersey is only one of ten states that require school security drills on a regular basis, that is, monthly while school is in session. And these drills are required in addition to the traditional mandatory school fire drills. Uh, Also, our state school districts and charter schools must adopt safety and security plans, which incorporate certain minimum requirements for building access, transportation, visitor policy, and other key areas of school security. Also, every school district and corresponding uh, community local uh, law enforcement agency must enter into a memorandum of agreement uh, which outlines the responsibilities of school officials, police, and emergency responders during security threats and other crises that might develop. And, And also, school districts must have administrative response procedures that correspond to law enforcement procedures on things like bomb threats, active shooter response, school lockdowns, School evacuations and, and other emergencies. So we we in New Jersey do do quite a bit already.
1: Okay. Yes. Uh, but we're looking to improve. Uh, one of the things I was struck at as one of the findings uh, is that the importance of collaboration among uh, law enforcement and the school community. Brandon, could you uh, just elaborate a little bit on that?
0: Sure. Right. So collaboration in general is, is very important, uh, and it's really key to involve all relevant parties and to establish good relationships. Uh, both during the planning process and ongoing initiatives. And the reason being, in particular with law enforcement, everybody has different backgrounds. Whether you're a police officer, whether you're a school administrator, uh, you're going to have a different perspective and you're going to have a different uh, you know, opinion and different uh, information to interject. And if you don't collaborate, you, you run the risk of maybe leaving a gap. So in the particular with law enforcement, they can be a huge asset when you're planning and when you're going about your security initiatives, whether they're helping security audits, training, monitoring your grounds or improving school climate in general, uh, they're a huge asset and it's important to bring in their perspective along with the first responder community in general. Uh
1: one of the other findings in the, the report uh is the importance of the school the school climate. Uh Don, what is the school climate and why is it important?
2: Well um, we we heard from a number of uh experts including Dr. Maurice Elias who Uh, is widely regarded uh, as a uh, member of the Rutgers faculty as an expert in social emotional learning uh, and school culture and climate Um, and he basically told us as important as it is for us to assess academic achievement amongst our students we should also uh, assess the school climate and and the reason is that if you have a a positive and uh, good school climate Um, Students will have improved attitudes about themselves, about others, and their school. Uh, They will exhibit positive classroom behavior. Um, They tend to achieve higher academically. Um, And and in general, they're they're less aggressive uh, with respect to uh, their their behavior. Um, And that becomes important when you, you realize that more than half of the incidents of violence that we've seen in our schools in this country Um, have occurred as a result of either current or former students. Um, And when you delve into some of the the thinking behind why did they act out in the way they did, um, in in quite a few cases it's been determined that they they likely were reacting based on their experiences uh, during their school careers. And so that's why it's important. Uh,
1: We've been on... uh we just started our conversation on school security. It's about 10 minutes. I was struck in the report that Newtown, the shooting, uh, was only four minutes long uh, from the beginning to the end. Um, and that shows the importance of something called uh, deter, slow, and detain. Could you explain that, Ray?
3: Yeah, Ray. Deter, slow, and detain is, is really a corollary of target hardening. Uh, and it represents really an evolution in the tactical response of law enforcement to school incidents. As you mentioned, Newtown was only uh, four minutes in playing out the entire scenario, and statistics show that most school shootings occur over less than a 10-minute time span. So the prevailing law enforcement thesis is that if an assailant can be hindered from accessing the premises, delayed in moving through the school, and kept within limited confines and with limited access to students and teachers, that law enforcement will be able to respond within that time parameter. So that's really what it w- is all about. It's it's about hindering the assailant from achieving his or her objectives.
1: So slowing them down by 30 seconds saves lives.
3: Yeah, if if you look at at that time spectrum, uh, you know, be it four minutes or be it 10 minutes, uh, anything that can be done to slow the assailant down and to keep uh, him or her away from children or away from harm or doing harm um, is really critical in terms of the law enforcement response.
1: Okay. One of the other findings, before we get into the recommendations, uh, and you probably knew this one going in, uh, funding for security is limited um, with caps and everything. Uh, Don, can you just explain that?
2: Um, yes, um, and like you said, Ray, we we pretty much uh, realize this as a result of the 2% cap levy. Um, also, the lack of federal support. There used to be federal funding that would help offset the cost, at least for a period of time, of school resource officers. That has all but, but dried up. Um, and in addition to uh, the 2% cap levy within the cap, there's also some uh, growth spending growth limitations in the area of administrative costs also there's some limitations on uh, how much your costs can increase for maintenance of facilities and and your buildings and a, a lot of times if you want to do something in the realm of school security say for example cameras or whatever uh, that's going to fall within uh, the maintenance of facilities area and you could be restricted from uh, doing that kind of work because of these in effect caps within within a cap. Um, When we surveyed the membership, uh, we pretty much found out that there there really wasn't much in the way of funding out there. Most uh, districts were using their operating budgets, maybe they were moving money around within their operating budget to try to accomplish some security uh, initiatives in their schools. Uh, Some folks had uh, some capital reserve money that they had been able to save and, and designate for capital projects. Uh, Very few in the way of grants, both state, federal, or private. Um, More recently there was uh, the award of some ROD grants or regular operating district grants by the state and the state allowed you to submit projects um, over and above things like roofs and HVAC for some school security measures. Um, But then you're basically competing with, you know, what's more important, fixing the roof or fixing the HVAC system. Or installing this security measure that you think you need. Um, some of those um, requests were approved. I have no idea how the state decided what was more important and what security grant should be approved versus fixing a roof or fixing a, replacing a boiler. But um, that's uh, it's it's a very difficult situation.
1: All right. Let's move on to some of the recommendations of the task force. And I, I guess I probably should preface this by saying uh, I think the other conclusion is that there's no one size fits all for all school districts. But there, are, so the districts have to look at all the different options. Uh, Ray, one of the first things that came up that I heard is security personnel of various sorts, armed guards, police in the buildings. Could you just go
3: over what the options are? Yeah, I I think the introduction to your question, Ray, was was very, very important. Um, Obviously, in putting together this report and in setting forth recommendations, the committee wasn't presuming that there is a single solution that fits all school districts. So when it comes to most of the topics that the three of us will be addressing, Um, it is important to consider all of the uh, the local aspects of it from community sensibilities to the physical aspects of school campuses um, to resources. So I think all of that ties into the consideration of security personnel. Uh, Certainly one of the things that the committee saw in the wake of our being tasked to prepare this report was that there was substantial uncertainty as to the presence of law enforcement in school buildings and into the use of uh, whether it be armed or unarmed guards. So what we proposed was to try to provide board members with a definition of various options, uh, and and essentially those options are fourfold. Uh, One of them, uh, as was mentioned, is the school resource officer, um, which uh, I think Don can address in in more detail in terms of the, the aspects of an SRO. Um, another option that many districts are availing themselves of because it 's uh, a little bit more cost effective is uh, the utilization of retired police officers. Uh, the third option is the use of private security, uh, and within that comes the uh, the specter of whether private security should be armed or unarmed uh, and I, and I think I should mention. Um, that both the committee and the Chiefs of Police Association uh, expressed grave concerns about and were not recommending armed private security in a school for a host of reasons including the fact that they were not necessarily directly responsible to local Chiefs of Police uh, and that may lead to some miscommunication. Uh, And then the fourth option is uh, special police officers. Right now the statutes provide for a class two police officer Um, One of the discussions and recommendations by the committee was to expand the role of special police officers, um, which right now are limited both numerically and in terms of function by state statute, or to create a special class three officer, which would be essentially a more limited SRO. So those were the options that are outlined in the report. And for uh, those listening to this program or reading the report, um, they can see in more detail Um, the benefits and detriments of each of those options.
1: Uh, Don, uh, Ray mentioned SRO. Uh, That's not anything new, but could you explain the role of what the SRO is?
2: Right. The the SRO stands for School Resource Officer. Um, They are local police officers who um, report to the local police authority. Um, However, they receive specialized training in working uh, with our students and in our schools but over and above being um, a, a deterrent and a police presence in our schools. They also pro- provide critical counseling and, and support services to our our students. They also get involved in doing presentations in conjunction with the staff in our schools on things like uh, gangs and drugs and, and alcohol uh, and certain character uh, development uh, techniques and traits um so so they're very important um like ray mentioned the the um they are the preferred model uh, as far as the committee is concerned for having a police uh, authority in in our schools uh the the downside is is the is the cost and trying to figure out uh how to make that work but we've had a number of s- uh, school districts around the state who have been uh, engaged in conversation with their uh, local municipal officials and they've worked out a, a cost-sharing plans that have allowed uh, more officers to be able to be uh, deployed into our schools. And I, I think that's that's a good uh, good practice that should be pursued.
1: Yes. Um, so there's all these options, Brandon, um, of, that districts can look at who makes that deshi- decision.
0: Sure. So Ray, I just want to emphasize Ray's earlier point. He said that uh, there's no single solution, and there's many options, as you just paraphrased yourself, right? Um, and security personnel are highly visible, and sometimes they draw a, a lot of attention. So it's, it's important for districts to take into account uh, a variety of factors before they make a decision, whether it be the cost, the needs, and ultimately, what do you what do you hope to get from this individual, the security personnel? Uh, but it's important to know that the decision is ultimately left local. There's no state mandate to have an SRO or to have armed security versus private security. Uh, It's it's completely up to the local community. So if your school district in consultation with local law enforcement thinks SRO is the way to go and you can afford it, uh, that would be the the process. However, if your district may not be able to have an SRO, uh, you have to consider other options. But it is a local decision.
1: Uh, We're speaking with members of the New Jersey uh, School Board Association Task Force on School Security. If you have a question, dial 1347 989-8904 Nine eight nine eight nine zero four and press one, or just write it in the chat room. Uh, we discussed the other recommendation is uh, that was in the report. Uh, Ray and Don, I'll have you both of you. Ray first uh, was the school climate. Have a school climate analysis. What is that?
3: In addition to target hardening, um, almost all the experts that spoke to us at the at the committee uh, stressed the importance of school climate and culture, and the the assessment vehicle is really a way for a district to analyze or get a snapshot of its of its culture and its climate and the way that students interface with students and students interface with faculty and how it brings all of the collective resources of a district to bear in creating a, a positive attitude. Um, I, I can indicate that in the bibliography which accompanies the report, there are various um, resources that are available uh, to school districts uh, to do an outreach to conduct a school climate analysis. So I do commend that to to anyone listening to the program. Uh, But the reason that this becomes very important is that the research tends to indicate that a healthy school climate has a very, very positive impact in terms of uh, self-worth, in terms of interfacing with other students, in terms of positive classroom behaviors and higher academic achievement, and also uh, important for today's topic in terms of less aggressive behavior and emotional distress. So the, the school climate assessment is a vehicle for a district to get a handle on its cultural environment with an eye toward trying to gain all of those attributes that I just mentioned.
1: Uh, does anyone want to follow up on that?
3: Sure, sure, Ray. Uh Stan. Um,
2: you know, okay. I, I view this as basically a, a measurement of the behavioral health uh, of the students a, a, in our schools and, and the schools themselves, uh, and all of the nice things and good things that Ray said I, I agree with. Um, and, and as he also mentioned, uh, Dr. Elias, who spoke to us uh, very passionately about this, um, has come up with a tool to, to measure uh, the, the uh the school culture and climate and behavioral health of the of the student body and he also um, provided uh, us to access to certain strategies that can be employed I- if you need to make improvements in the the culture and climate of your school so I, I think that's very important information that uh, districts should take a look at
1: and I, I'm just uh... I'll add one thing is, as I listen to both of you, the important thing about the school climate analysis also is, and Ray said it, but I want to re-emphasize it, is that this is not just a security issue. This is an educational issue, and it helps student achievement, which... uh, Absolutely. Absolutely. So it's not just... I don't want to look at it just as a security issue. Um, Let's move on to policy and planning, where that's the board's major role. one of the recommendations and i know some districts have done this already but uh is a security audit uh ray could you explain that
3: yeah in in some ways the security audit is really a corollary or a reciprocal of what we were just talking about a school climate assessment um it's it's essentially a comprehensive needs assessment conducted prior to or incident to the development of a district safety plan um what what it gives a district is an overview or an assessment of uh, multiple, I'll call them physical issues, uh, such as the design of the buildings, uh, existing surveillance procedures, uh, technology. So it's it's really a coordinated effort on the part of the district, and also uh, may include law enforcement and community members in assessing the capabilities. That is the security capabilities of a district. Uh,
1: who should be involved in the planning process for a school security at Brandon?
0: So let me first say that, uh, in my opinion, planning uh, is one of the most important aspects of school security because if you think about it, districts shouldn't be making plans the moment they're needed. Uh, So during the process, local school districts should be making plans and consultations with a variety of partners, whether it be law enforcement, emergency management, uh, and other community partners. Even some you may not think about, uh, whether your school architect should be there or not. And this is also time to building relationships um, and using everybody's experience because you know ultimately the school minister you have one background but it may be different than a law enforcement uh, officer's background so involving all the different aspects is is very important and you know something to consider as well is to keep your your board of education informed while board members may not necessarily be at these meetings although like i suppose they could be uh, keeping them updated as far as what you're doing with your plans uh any moas you have is very important i know Don's going to touch on that shortly. Uh, but one one final point, plans shouldn't be made just one time, and they they're, they last mm. 40, 50 years. Uh, they should be evolving plans, something you review annually, something you train and drill with. And you want to make sure people know what they say and what they should do in the plans. And, and
3: Ray, if I can just chime in on, on what Brandon yep. said, and it, it may be one of the, the, the most important things that, that's said all morning, uh, and that is the aspect of, of planning. If there is a, a tangible benefit to the report is that it allows districts and board members to review these materials with an eye toward applying them in their own districts uh, as a planning mechanism before the fact um uh, you know and whether it's mm-hmm. assessing from a physical aspect through a security audit um the the uh, the, the attributes or the uh, materials that a district has on hand or whether it's assessing school climate. Um, what this is all about is advanced planning and not reacting to a crisis. Right. Well, so and also, Don?
2: Yeah. Um, also, I, I would say, you know, we, we talked about that the, the days of putting together one of these plans and then setting it on the, the shelf and forgetting about it for several years are gone. Um, you need to constantly be reevaluating and updating your plan based on what's going out on in the, in the world of school security, um, and also any any kind of training that needs to be done that comes out of the school security plan, you need to make sure that that training is done, because uh, it's one thing to have a, a plan, but if the staff don't know what it is they're supposed to be doing in, in the event of a certain crisis, uh, you're defeating the whole purpose of spending the time putting together the plan.
1: Yeah, uh, Don, uh, we talked about the memorandum of agreement. Uh, boards do that all the time, but do you have a recommendation that they should what they should do with that memorandum? Because sometimes it's a pro forma at the reorganization meeting.
2: Yeah, and and that's the problem. It, it really needs to be reviewed by the the members of of the board. Uh, obviously, we know it's it's a long document. It establishes the liaison between schools and law enforcement, um, and every year the board is required to, in theory, review it vote on it in a public session and then the board president the school administrator um, uh, signs it along with the law and local law enforcement officials Um, and sometimes I I think in the past maybe we as board members didn't take that document as seriously as as we we should have. Um, Moving forward though um, I think it's pretty clear We, we have to be very sensitive to our relationship with our emergency responders and we need to take school security very serious.
1: Uh, Moving on to one of the other recommendations of the board, and probably this is important not just for school security but natural disasters like Sandy, um, the importance of multiple methods of communication. Uh, Brandon, could you elaborate on that? Sure. So uh, in general, effective communication is is
0: very important for a safe and secure school because uh, it's a vehicle to get vital and necessary information out during times of need. And in specifically to your question, though, right, is uh, multiple methods allows for the failure of one type. So think of them as backups if you have multiple methods. And also, uh, people have different preferences. Um, so maybe somebody's cell phone is not working that day, or maybe they don't have a cell phone. Uh, so having different ways to get the information out, whether it be telephone, email, text, through your website, it's important to have different options. Um, and there's really you know, two types of communication, your external communication, which is how your district will communicate with the families, with the community, and also your response entities, but you also have to have communication internally. Uh, so mm-hmm. communication with your staff. So having different methods allows for uh, both types of communication.
1: Uh, and as I said before, I, I know that was an important issue during uh, Superstorm Sandy, where if one di- one method went down, a lot of districts had a hard time communicating. Um, I was struck in the in. Uh, Ray, I ask you to uh, elaborate on this, and this kind of goes to the school climate again. The, the stark reality of school shootings, and who knows about them? Could you, because there were some important facts I thought in that.
3: Ray, I agree with you. It, to me, the statistics that I'm about to uh, to speak to um, were one of the most telling things that I learned. Um, I had an opportunity, incident to my committee responsibilities, to go to a program that was put on by the FBI, and these statistics uh, came from the FBI. Uh, In 81% of school shootings, at least one other person knew of the plan in advance. And in 59% of shootings, two or more knew ahead of time. So let me just say that again. 81% of the time, someone else knew about the shooter's plan before it occurred. And 59% of the time, two or more people knew. And in over half of the cases, the attacker took more than two weeks to plan the attack uh, and, and I think that those are very stark and very telling figures uh, but what it really does underscore is a lot of the various elements that we've just been talking about uh, including the importance of communication and the importance of a culture or climate where people feel comfortable that is students feel comfortable in coming forward to either a teacher or a principal or law enforcement and indicating that they have a knowledge that something like this may occur. Uh, Because, again, we're talking about avoidance in addition to how to respond. Uh, So these statistics really show the importance of having the type of culture and climate and communication vehicles where uh, people who become aware that an incident like this may occur can come forward and hopefully avoid it.
2: Uh, and, and Ray, and, in, and in that vein, um, one of the, the methodologies that districts can utilize uh, is a preventative service measure known as a tip line. Right. Uh, usually, usually those tip lines are are, are anonymous, and they allow uh, individuals to either uh, phone in, email, or send text messages about something they've they've heard or they become aware of, or something they've they've seen that's of concern where a, a potential violent act, or, or a drug sale, or, or something could could take place that could be detrimental to, to students and staff and and our schools, um, and, and it does this in real time, and it gives uh, administrators and local policing authorities an opportunity to review and investigate, and take preventative measures so that an adverse incident doesn't occur, and I think in the In the report, we cite a tip line that was created in the state of Colorado uh, in the aftermath of Columbine, um, and they believe that they prevented over a dozen uh, acts of violence uh, in their schools in in that state over a period of several years. Um, And and we also mention in the report that a lot of our school districts receive their uh, school insurance through the New Jersey Schools Insurance Group. Um, They have a program that's... uh, including included in their their membership called we tip um and i would encourage districts to to explore uh, taking advantage of of that program in their districts
1: uh we're going to move one of the other recommendations which was a very unusual a little different is that the training in school security needs to be improved uh brandon who should be trained and how okay so first right? you
0: know technology uh, and infrastructure are, are you know important elements of school security but Something that cannot be forgotten uh, is the human element. Uh, you can have all the security bells and whistles as you you, you have into your heart's desire, but if you don't have properly trained staff, it's not as effective. So staff must receive training to know uh, what to do both before, during, and after instance. And when it comes to training, everybody that is interacting with students uh, should be trained. So whether you're a principal, a superintendent, a full-time teacher, a substitute teacher, or even a volunteer, Everybody should have a baseline knowledge of what should be done during an incident should one occur. Uh, And you also want to consider, you know, the outside entities. Uh, Bring in maybe your local law enforcement. Have them train with you. Or maybe they want to train independently and use your schools after hours for training of their own. Um, And some people are hesitant to to train because they think it can be very costly. And while there are definitely options out there that come with a price tag, um, there are tons of high-quality and, and frankly, underutilized resources uh, available in school security that are free, and they're available at a county, the state, and at the federal level. Uh, Just a few examples, I mean, the U.S. Department of Homeland Security has programs in in Maryland where they'll pay for your travel, uh, your lodging, and the course costs, and they're experts in school security, so it's something an administrator could bring back to their district. Um, And they range from introductory online training to... Uh, The courses you go away for.
1: Uh, One of the final two uh, recommendations, physical security, which I think a lot of districts really took a look at. Maybe with the security audit, it kind of – I know that brought a lot of – highlighted their physical buildings. But, Ray, what are the principles of uh, security, physical security?
3: Well, we should probably note at the outset, Ray, that the the elements of physical security are going to vary from district to district, based upon physical characteristics, based upon community expectations and resources. Uh, but I think that the the goals or principles of security are essentially the same, uh, and, and they are fourfold: uh, first, to identify the threat; second, to assess the threat; third, to manage the threat; and fourth, as we talked about earlier to deter, slow, and detain to allow law enforcement to respond. Now, now while those are, are probably easy to articulate, they're a little harder in the implementation, and as, as I said before, they really are dependent on uh, all of the attributes of the community and the school district uh, that we're talking about. But to accomplish this end, all of the modalities that, that Don and, and Brendan and I have been talking about come into play from communication to hardware to personnel and to planning um and what it really bespeaks tying all of our themes together is the need for advanced coordination in mm-hmm. planning before an incident occurs uh, following up on that uh Don
1: what is, uh brandon i mean um uh when you look at the physical needs. Yes, we want to make our schools safe, but we don't want to make them like a prison. Because the other goal, the main goal of a school, is to have create a learning environment. So how do we balance that?
0: And Ray, you brought up a key point right there. You don't want schools to look like a prison, uh, because school districts could go to the one extreme and have fences with barbed wire on the outside of schools, and maybe some do. But for most schools, that's not what they are looking to do. So you want to make sure you you balance. Um, what you can get in terms of security infrastructure with making it a friendly and conducive environment to learning. Because ultimately school districts are in the business of educating. Um so whether or not you're looking at options such as door controls or or perimeter lighting, there are op- options like them that aren't highly visible uh yet have a great return.
2: Um, yeah and, and um another another thought, Ray, um from the perspective of Mr. Wiss and I, we were we were asked to come out to uh... some communities and, and do our presentation about the school security task force report um, and what ray said earlier about community norms and the, the thought process of different board members and parents etcetera um, it it's not always uh... congruent between the different parties everybody has a different uh, opinion uh... as to whether or not we we need to have um, police presence in the schools, whether or not they need to be armed or, or unarmed. And, and that's why, Ray, and that's why the report suggests that um, it's really a, a local decision. Um, and, and the community working in conjunction with the municipal officials in the school district really need to s- decide that for themselves. Uh,
1: and uh, if someone does a security audit, there are some physical things they can do to a building that may not be high-cost items. Uh, that, that may slow and deter uh, an intruder uh what are some of those uh
2: that's right Ray. Uh, we We heard from um a number of folks, both law enforcement and folks who are involved with uh architectural firms that that build uh schools and build security measures into the schools so so things like uh replacing or upgrading uh classroom doors and classroom door hardware, which can be purchased over time is, is a lower cost sort of option. Um, you could look at installing interior doors or, or partitions which could uh, divert um, visitors uh, away from areas where there are classrooms and, and into uh, areas where they can meet with the administrative staff of the schools. Uh, ballistic film um, is, is another measure. Uh, it's fairly low cost, uh, usually costs between ten and sixteen dollars uh, a square foot. Um, it doesn't prevent bullets necessarily from entering the glass, but it um, it, it doesn't shatter like shatter-proof glass, and it also uh, allows up to twenty minutes. Uh, it can uh, uh, hold off uh potential intruder. There um, are some little things that your, your uh, buildings and grounds people can do, like trimming bushes, trees, and shrubs around the, the school perimeter to uh, preclude hiding places for potential intruders. Um, you can fence off certain areas of, of the school grounds to limit access. Um, you can also do some things with traffic, such as stop signs, speed bumps, uh, barriers to, to direct traffic in a certain uh, area around uh, school, and, and then also, you uh, if you have uh, access hatches on the roofs of your schools, you you want to do something as simple as just installing a lock um, and making it more difficult for someone to get on the roof to begin with, uh, and and then uh, precluding them from uh, access- accessing the school through a, uh, a rooftop-mounted uh, hatch. So those are some uh. of the things that that are lo- not real costly that that uh just about every school district could do.
1: Okay, and there are some of these mentioned in the report or are these mentioned Absol- in the re-
2: Absolutely. Those and those and more.
1: So if someone goes to the report, they'll get a full flavor.
2: Uh yes, yes. Okay,
1: uh we we mentioned this before but we'll come around because uh, probably uh the biggest obstacle is financing. Uh Ray just reiterate what are the, the obstacles uh for financing school security?
3: Well, and and I think your your question really does imply the answer, Ray. As is the case in so many issues uh, for board members, um, financial issues are uh, the most uh, impactful on uh, on the issue of school security, Uh, particularly in the era of the the 2% tax levy cap. And I think, as Don mentioned before, many districts have been forced to address school security within their current operating budget, and and obviously that's a difficult thing to do while you're trying to maintain all of your uh, educational programs. Uh, But uh, And and Brandon did allude to this in his his last response. There are certain things, and Don mentioned it as well, certain things which a district can do um, that are lower in cost impact from a physical security sense, but there are other things that a district can do on the educational side in terms of uh, uh, school climate and culture Um, So I I think that this this issue is certainly multifaceted, and um, despite the economic obstacles, there are many things that a district can look to in terms of uh, um, physical aspects, in terms of educational aspects, in terms of cultural aspects, which all will ultimately tie in to creating a more safe and secure school environment. And Don,
1: any other recommendations in financial...
2: Uh, Well, from the financial standpoint, the report calls for a number of things. Uh, We're looking for the federal government to restore the funding that they had at one time uh, to help fund school resource officers. Um, We're also calling upon the state to to look at uh, perhaps a a waiver from the 2% uh, cap for certain specific school security enhancements that... Uh, the districts uh, feel are critical to protecting their students and and staff. Uh, We're also calling upon the state to take a look again. Um, As I said earlier, even if you're within the two percent cap, you got these spending growth and other gyrations you have to go through related to administrative costs and facilities and maintenance costs. Um, And we feel like as long as you're staying within the cap, you should be able to utilize the funding that you see fit and if the priority in a particular year is is school security or hiring uh security presence in in one of your schools you should be able to to, to do that even if it, it exceeds some arbitrary internal growth limitation that the state has uh, uh come up with so th- those are the kinds of things uh that that we would uh recommend um to the legislature uh, to try to get uh, additional funding resources and, and then the other thing um, that I mentioned earlier is uh, districts now in, the, in this new new climate uh, working with the municipal figu- uh, f- officials to try to figure out how to fund uh, school resource officers in their schools it it may be a cost-sharing kind of arrangement and I, I know a district down in South Jersey in Gloucester Washington Township was recently successful in in, in doing that and getting resource officers in each of their schools by working cooperatively uh and collaboratively uh to share the cost of uh, of getting that done so it it can be done
1: again like 10 seconds.
3: well I, I just have a, a few final thoughts ray if it, if it's helpful uh, i i I think I would speak uh, on behalf of all the committee members to say it was it was truly a privilege to serve on this committee, and and I think it would be our collective hope that the report itself and particularly the bibliography accompanying it will be very very helpful to board members on an ongoing basis. Uh, and I think we'd be remiss if we didn't thank uh, Frank Belucio, especially for all of his efforts in putting that yes. together. Absolutely. Um, but, but as was mentioned before, uh, I, I think the the key here is that advanced planning is probably the best pathway to improving school security. Uh, So I certainly would commend to all districts and all board members undertaking a school climate assessment and a security audit because at least then you will have a current assessment of where your district stands in those very, very important areas. And finally, as everyone has emphasized, because this is not a one-size-fits-all proposition uh, involving a broad spectrum within the community, both educators and parents and law enforcement uh, becomes very, very important, I think, in making sure that uh, school security is improved.
1: All right. We've actually uh, run out of time. Uh, Brandon, I want to thank you for joining us. Thank you.
3: Thank you, Ray. It was a pleasure.
1: Uh, And also uh, Don, Don Webster, thank you. Thank you, Ray. And Ray, Ray Wiss, thank
3: you. It was a pleasure, Ray. Thank you.
1: Okay, and I just, uh, for the people who are listening, uh, if you want to get more information, get the complete task force report, go to NJSBA's website, www.njsba.org, backslash news, backslash security, dash task, dash force. But if you go to our website, you'll find it. And uh, thank you for joining us, and have a good day.
2: Take care. Thank you.
1: Thank you.